I've been thinking all week about that scripture in Romans 4, so could we have a look at that first? And um, then I was really blessed um, to hear um, Pastor Kent Christmas. I don't know whether you listen to him or not, but I, I really feel like, um, personally for me anyway, I feel he is like a pastor to me. Um, and... Uh, because every week <laughs> that I listen to his Wednesday night teaching, it's only like usually 20 minutes long. And, you know, he, the Lord really ministers to me. And often it's what I've been looking at myself. And so I'd encourage you to listen to last Wednesday night's when it's about, you know, overcoming the storm. But um, I had been thinking about this scripture, these two scriptures um, during the week. Romans chapter 4. Now, he didn't mention this one, but he mentioned the next one. And um, in, in verse 17, Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are the God of the impossible. Amen. You are Yahweh, the only God. We just take authority right now in the name of Jesus over every assignment to the enemy, Lord, Amen. in Jesus' name. Amen. Sent against this church or the people of this church today. We plead your precious blood, Jesus, against every attack. And we praise you and we thank you, Father. Come against every uh, unclean spirit. I command it out of here, off this property, away from all of our church family, all of our households. We plead your precious blood, Jesus, against every attack of the enemy. And we thank you, Lord, that you are the God of the impossible. You are Yahweh, the only true God. And you are the God who gives life to the dead things. And this is that scripture, you know. It's one of the first scriptures that ever really spoke to me from the word of God. And I go back to it all the time because this is the truth of who God is. He is life. And so um, he was speaking here. Paul was speaking here about Abraham and about, you know, um, how that in, in here in 17, it says, as it is written in scripture, I have made you a father of many nations. So that's what God spoke to him. I have made you a father of many nations. Abraham had said to him, I have no children. Why haven't you blessed me with children? And he said, I have made you a father of many nations. So God spoke this word to him that didn't even make sense because he didn't even have one child, not a mind, uh, you know, millions and millions of, of children or, or of descendants. And uh, in the sight of him whom he believed, that is God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. So, you know, God speaks life. His word is life. And so, you know, who gives life to the dead things. And if you think of, of something that's dead, you think of TV programs showing, you know, uh, ER, um, emergency room situations where they're, they're trying to um, resuscitate somebody and, and all you get is the, the, the solid beep, the flat line. It's, it's completely, you know, life has failed there in that body. Um, anything you think of death, you think of the death of a relationship, the death of a business, the death of a destiny, the death of a dream. It, it Ultimately, it means failure, failure of life. And that's what dead means. It means, you know, hopeless, hopelessness. And um, so Abraham was feeling uh, or was facing a situation of hopelessness. He was 100 years of age. His wife was over 90. 
And, you know, that's what it goes on to say there is that he looked at his body and his body was as good as dead in terms of it was as good as dead for, for his childbearing years were, were behind him in the natural. And so it looked like a completely hopeless situation. And why did God say this to him? I have made you a father of many nations. In the sight of him in whom he believed, that is God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. And look here in verse 18. In hope against hope, Abraham believed that he would become the father of many nations as he had been promised by God. And this is the promise God gave him. So numberless shall your descendants be. He said to him, look at the grains of, of sand. He said, your descendants are going to be more than the grains of sand. Here was Abraham, a very, very elderly man, a hundred years old, no son, no son with his wife, Sarah. And this God was promising him that he was going to have numberless descendants. Most people would say, I will go away for you know, take a powder, like they say long ago, go away with yourself. But Abraham didn't. Because he knew God's voice, he listened and he believed him. It's no different to Noah. Look at what Noah did. He built this ark, this boat, which there was no need of. It was a completely, you know, uh, out of the ordinary thing he was doing. And he was building it. And people were mocking him and laughing at him. But he kept building it. And, uh, you know, that's the thing, is that faith will have you to stand when everybody else around you is saying, what are you doing? Will you ever get a life and grow up? Uh, you know, come and be like us instead. And faith will always have you to be the one who's standing you know, often on your own, isolated. And, and that's something, you know, I'm sure that all of you know. But here, this is the word God gave him. So numberless shall your descendants be. So in hope against hope. <laughs> in hope, that doesn't even make sense. In hope against hope. There was no hope. But still, he, he, he stood in hope. Uh, Abraham believed that he would become the father of many nations as he had been promised by God. And it goes on to say, without becoming weak in faith. And you see, when somebody is standing and waiting and believing God for the impossible, for an impossible thing, uh, what happens is, is the enemy starts coming in and starts lying, starts having other people to come and contribute and say, you know, look, you need, to, you need to face facts here. You need to face reality. You need to see that this is impossible. Uh, sorry, I just asked you to mute there. Who, somebody uh, just mute that phone there. One second now. There we go. Okay. So, um, you know, you'll, you'll have plenty of naysayers and plenty of, of circumstances that will make you want to give up because it will look like that nothing is working out and that, in fact, uh, it, it's the complete opposite that's happening and that everything is against you. And that's what was going on with Abraham. 
You know, all these years of, of living, he was 100 years old. How many friends had he seen rearing whole families at this stage and now rearing grandchildren and probably great-grandchildren? And here he was with no, no son at all. And so, um, without becoming weak in faith, he considered his own body now as good as dead for producing children since he was about 100 years old and he considered the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he knew, he knew what he was facing. But look at 20. He did not doubt or waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong and empowered by faith, he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God had the power. Say, God has the power. God has the power. He has the power to do what he has promised. Amen. Another version says, he was fully convinced that God is able. Amen. And that is the thing, is that life circumstances, sicknesses, family, strife, problems, financial issues, they all speak doubt and unbelief to us. They all say, it'll never happen. This is not possible. It's, you know, you need to face facts. You need to face reality. But faith uh, is something that, that operates against hope, in hope, believing that God is able to do what he promised and this is why so many people go unanswered prayers because they allow the enemy to take the knees or take the legs from under them, uh, creating disillusionment, creating discouragement, creating doubt and unbelief, fostering it by, by thinking negatively instead of thinking what God has said. And that's what God, what Abraham, sorry, kept in front of him. He kept God's promise in front of him. You know, I love that because men, they say, say very little they kind of can say in in three or four words what a woman will take a half an hour to actually get to the point to say because we love talking and words and explaining everything uh, but Abraham he clung to that one word you know that God said to him so numberless shall your descendants be that's is that the only word that he stuck on so numberless shall your descendants be today I'm not feeling great I'm looking at the circumstances I'm another year older yeah so numberless shall my descendants be that's what he promised that's what I'm hoping for that's what I'm believing for and I am going to stick with him because I know he's true and um, if you want to have a look um, and that faith actually was credited to Abraham's righteousness. It's so important to know that. That uh, there's something about our faith, about us believing God, that actually uh, brings us into the presence of God, his righteousness, his holiness. You know, that's all Jesus asked. When Jesus went with Jairus and then the people came from Jairus' home and said, your daughter's after dying, don't bother this fellow anymore, there's no point in him coming here. And Jesus said, uh, Jesus turned to him and it says in, um, I'll just read it to you because I have the Amplified here. It, it's in Mark chapter 5. Um, and I love how it's, you know, described in the Amplified. Like Jesus didn't pay any attention to what they were all saying. Jesus didn't pay any attention to what they were all doing. Jesus operated in God's timing. He said, I do only what I see my father doing. Amen. I say only what I hear my father saying. And so in, in Mark chapter 5, um, this was where he had been dealing with the lady with the issue of blood. And now he was finished with her. And um, it says in verse 40, th sorry, 35, while he was still speaking, 
Some people came from the synagogue official's house and saying to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? Why bother him? Overhearing what was said. (laughs) So, you know, um, Jesus knew well what they were saying. He heard what they said. Overhearing what was being said. Some of us need to do that. We need to hear what's being said, but have our own minds made up. Isaiah Isaiah said it this way. He says, I have set my face like flint. You know, flint is that hard, um, slaty type rock that is rock solid. Um, and, And we are to be rock solid in our faith and our foundation of God. Is there times where we're going to be feeling hopeless or feeling dragged down? Of course there is. But there's a remedy for that. It's the word of God. And we'll show you that in a moment. Anyway, overhearing what was being said, Mark 5, Mark 5, 36. Do, he said to Jairus, do not be afraid, only keep on believing in me and my power. And so he says, sorry, I, I only read half that. Overhearing what was being said, but ignoring them. Say ignoring them. them. Yeah, turn around and tell tell your neighbor, you need to ignore some people. Yeah, you need to ignore some circumstances. You need to ignore some things. Yeah, overhearing what was being said, but ignoring them. Jesus said to the synagogue official, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Keep on believing in me and my power. Only believe, another, another word says, only believe. Just Only one thing he wants us to do is believe. Believe. And that's our faith. And so, as I said, what happens for the day when you get dragged down? And and, uh, in Psalm 119, the big long one, and I'm not sure, did I read this? I may have done on Thursday night. Um, Praise the Lord. In, yeah, Psalm 119, verse 28. I, I think I did read it, but I'm not sure. My soul dissolves because of grief. Renew and strengthen me according to the promises of your word. My earthly life clings to the dust. Sometimes, you know, the circumstances have you down in the dust. But revive and refresh me according to your word. So it's the word of God that revives us and refreshes us. And you see, that's what happens is that when people get distressed or discouraged, they run away from God. They go, they isolate themselves. They just, you know, shut down. And what they should do is run to him. When I am overwhelmed, when my heart is distressed within me, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, Psalm 61. You know, and I know that was an experiment with those songs there this morning. But the thing is, is you know, when you sing those songs and when you see the word of God and the truth in them, it's, it's, that starts to revive you and to refresh you. Um, another version of that Psalm 119 verse 28 says, I am sad and tired. Make me strong again as you, O God, have promised. So, you know, um, it's the Lord who makes us strong again. And that's what happened in Mark chapter 5. He told um, Jairus, don't 
Listen to what they're saying. Whose report are you going to believe now? Are you going to believe their report? And look, you know, their report was very believable. <laughs> they said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother with him anymore. You need to come home because we've got the funeral started. And, and you need to do some stuff. And Jesus said, don't listen to them. Only believe me. And yes, there are times where it is very difficult to stand and believe because there are so many voices shouting the complete opposite. There are so many circumstances that are just, you know, showing you the complete opposite. And yet we have to still believe because like Peter, that's what Peter, you know, said. And I think it's something that all of us should remember when when all the disciples left him, when they all got fed up and ticked off at Jesus, they got offended at him. Uh, All of these so many hundreds of people that were following him everywhere. And he looked at the 12 and he said, are you two going to leave? And Peter said to him, Lord, where can we go for you have the words of life? You know, and that's the thing. In any circumstance, no matter what the situation, God is the one who has the word of life. You go down the pub, you won't be long seeing all the life drain out of you because there's no life there. There's only death and destruction and doom and negativity, you know, and and that's for sure. You go down and, and go call to your friends or whatever, you'll soon hear the negativity because it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And so if people are hanging around with unbelievers, if they're hanging around with people who are not in the word of God, you're going to very soon see that that the influence is what's inside of them and not what's inside of this word. It's revive me by your word. Amen. And so that's in Mark chapter 5. You know what happened then? He allowed no one to go with him. Boot out the unbelievers. You know, there's some situations where, where a lot of people need to be removed because they're, they're dragging people down. Or maybe it's a way of thinking. Uh, you know, the demons can be speaking to people lies, lies, lies after lies into people's heads. It's time to boot out those unbeliever, unbelieving spirits, those doubt and unbelief, those voices that are saying contrary to what the word of God says. Because ultimately everything boils down to this one thing. Whose report am I going to believe? Am I going to believe God's report? Or am I going to believe Satan's report? And believe me, Satan's voice is very, very loud because he is the God of this earth. He is the God of this earth. And the word of God has to be sought out. God said, you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. It's not that God is playing hide and seek, but it's just that it's a pearl of great price. It's a treasure that God has. It's not something to be sort of dealt with, you know, with the ATM mentality. Go up to the machine, stick the card in the machine, press in a number, and the machine spits money back out at me. And then I go away and do whatever I want. You know, that's that mentality that many people have regarding God. And that's not how it is. It's a lifestyle. Holiness, righteousness is a lifestyle. It's not a one-time sort of in-out kind of a, a, you know, a dance routine. Praise God. 
And so Jesus put out the unbelievers. He'd allow no one to go with him. They came to the house. All the people were, uh, were in uproar, it says, commotion. And that's how the enemy works. Anywhere where there's commotion and strife and hysteria and, oh my God, look at it now. You know, you can be sure that Spirit of God is not there. You need to remove yourself from that, get alone with God and get quiet. Because uh, that's, that's Satan's um, ball alley where, where commotion is. And so Jesus went in and he said to them, why are you making such a commotion and weeping? The child has not died, but is sleeping. They began laughing scornfully at him because they knew the child was dead. But he made them all go outside and took the child's father and mother and his own three companions and entered the room where the child was. Taking the little girl's hand, he said tenderly to her, Talitha Kuom, which translates from Aramaic, meaning little girl, I say to you, get up. The little girl immediately got up and began to walk for she was 12 years old. And immediately they who witnessed the child's resurrection were overcome with great wonder and amazement. And you know, it's interesting there that he spoke to them in Aramaic. He didn't speak to them in Hebrew. That's, anyway, that's another day. That's, you know, the Gentile. Uh, language. Anyway, um, in Hebrews, can you go there with me quickly for time? Hebrews chapter 12. This is the scripture that really ministered to me and uh, just talking about faith and having faith in God, believing Jesus, no matter what the circumstances. In Hebrews chapter 11, did I say 12? Sorry, 11. Hebrews chapter 11, um, it goes down through all of these great men and women of God who went through, endured, overcame great difficult circumstances, mighty obstacles and all kinds of things. And then it says in verse 32, And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets. Who... Listen to this, and this is the scripture that Ken Christmas had as well. And, and I really, I was so blessed by that. As I said, it's the Wednesday night teaching. You'll find it on YouTube, Ken Christmas. Pastor Ken Christmas. Who, by faith, that is, with an enduring trust in God and his promises, subdued kingdoms. Okay, so these great men and women of God, right? Let's break this down. Who, by faith. Say by faith. by faith. Yeah. So what does by faith there mean? In the Amplified it says, with an enduring trust in God and his promises. Enduring. <laughs> endurance is something people don't want to hear about. Because endurance kind of brings to mind a long, hard slog. <laughs> we prefer the ATM. The quick in, out and get done with. Uh, and, and the thing is, is that our relationship with God is enduring. God tests us. He tests us through endurance. Uh, you know, our, our faith is tested. He said, you will be tested as with fire so that the pure will come forth, the pure gold. So by faith, okay, let's look at what they did by faith. I broke this down. By faith and with an enduring trust in God and his promises. By faith, they subdued kingdoms. Okay? That's the first one. By faith, subdued kingdoms. By faith, administered justice. 
By faith, obtained promises, blessings. Sorry, promised blessings. By faith, obtained promised blessings. They, by faith, closed the mouths of lions. That was Daniel. By faith, extinguished the power of the raging fire. That was Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You, you think about them three, or you think about Daniel. Like, everything wasn't rosy in the garden. In fact, it was to complete and utter, you know, uh, terrible circumstances. Daniel was thrown into a line of dens. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were thrown into a raging furnace that killed the people who, who lit it hotter. Seven of them were killed even before the, the three boys were thrown in. But the thing is, is that in the midst of the fire, Jesus showed up. And so it was by faith that they extinguished the power of the raging fire. Because Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego said to Nebuchadnezzar, we will never bow down to what you want us to bow down to. And our God is the only one that we bow down to. And whether he, uh, you know, whether he takes us home to be with him if you kill us, or whether he turns the whole situation around, whatever he does, I don't care. We still will worship him. And that's faith. So by faith, he extinguished the power of the raging fire. By faith, they escaped the edge of the sword. By faith, out of weakness, were made strong. Look at that. Have you ever seen that before? Out of weakness, they were made strong. This is what we just read about Abraham. Abraham, in comparison to all of his contemporaries of the day, he was weak because he had no son. In that culture... In order to uh, leave a legacy, you needed to have a son who would carry on the family name. And so Abraham was totally weak. He was 100 years old. It wasn't like he was, he was you know, young, fish, strong and healthy. Even if he was 30, 40 years younger, he may have had more of a chance. At 100 years of age, he looked very weak. But out of weakness, by faith, they became strong. And that's what happened with Abraham. You know, many people read that scripture that we read in, in Romans 4 where it says, without wavering, he grew strong in faith. So they're thinking, oh, Abraham's some great faith guy. He's some, he's some big spiritual giant. I bet you he wasn't. I bet you Abraham, which I know for a fact because he was a human being, was just like you and me. And he went through toil and turmoil and circumstances. He went through bad days as well as good days. He went through days where he wanted to throw in the sock at it and just forget the whole thing. But, you know, where people think, oh, look, Abraham, he never failed. No, out of weakness were made strong. Hallelujah. Let the weak say, I am strong. Amen. That's what he said in, in um, Zechariah, wasn't it? Or Joel. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let your weaklings be trained up to be warriors. Another version of that, let the weak say, I am strong is. Let your weaklings be trained up to be warriors. What trains us up? Our faith. Where do we get our faith from? The word of God. How do, we, how do we get the word of God? Like we read in, in Psalm 119, your word revives me and refreshes me. It's like if the fire goes out and then there's only a few butts of ashes left, we need to put in some more, some more fodder for the fire. We need to put in some more timber, some more fire lighters and, and build the fire up again. 
out of weakness made strong. Sure, there are days where you're going to be weak. Sure, there are circumstances that are not going to be perfect. We live in a fallen world. The devil is the god of this world. What do we expect? But our faith is what is going to pull us over and operate in the kingdom that we are ambassadors of. Uh, you know, we are of a different jurisdiction. Amen. And we have to start seeing that. Put straight in your shoulders. Stand up straight. You know, listen, who are you? You're a child of the Most High God. Who has the devil told you you are? He's told you you're, you're nothing but a bit of muck on someone's shoe. Whose report are you going to believe? And so this is what these guys had to do. Everything, you know, if you go read Hebrews 11, it says these fellas and these women, many of them didn't even see uh, the, the, the breakthrough, that they, all of the breakthrough that they were believing for. They died in faith knowing that it was yet to come. We are VIPs. Turn around to your neighbor and tell them you're a VIP. A VIP. You're a VIP. A very... A very important person. Do you know why? Because it's on our shoulders that the, the, the generations that come after us are going to be standing on. Just as we are standing on the shoulders of those who went before us. This is legacy. Kingdom legacy. God's kingdom is, is not about today. It's not about me. It's about, you know, who has gone before me and, and the fulfillment of their prayers and who is coming after me and the fact that they will be able to stand because of my faith and because of me standing or because of me, you know, displaying and demonstrating God's kingdom. This changes your whole demeanor and your, your, your stature. What's that word called again? Your... your when they teach you how to walk. Deportment. deportment. Your deportment. I'll tell you, many Christians are, are, are hiding behind corners and, and walking around stooped and trying to, you know, not let people know who we are. We are children of the Most High God. We have a very great and precious treasure inside of us. His name is Yeshua, Jesus Christ. He's our greatest friend, our defender, our advocate. He's our healer. He's our savior. He's our Lord. And we have this great and unspeakably uh, precious news to bring to those uh, that are not just in our generation, but in the generations after us. You are not to live on this earth existing and eking out some kind of a meager, miserable existence. You are to walk this earth knowing that you're a child of God and that you're representing everything that the kingdom of God has to offer. But the enemy has shouted you down and he has told you, you know, that this is not possible. That's hopeless. This will never work out. You're defeated. You were always useless. You'll never be anything. This is what the enemy has done and people have believed it because they don't know the word of God. Their minds are not being uh, renewed and thus their lives are not being revived. Praise God. Praise God. This is why there's so few people in here today. Because if they were to hear that, you know, their whole lives would change. The enemy has people chained up in darkness. He has them uh, defeated and prisoners of, of lies and deception. And so these people were weaklings and they were made strong because of their faith. So you are being made strong because of your faith. By faith, we're still in 34, they became mighty and unbeatable in battle. Look at that. 
By faith they became mighty and unbeatable in battle. Does that mean they had battles before where they were defeated? Of course it does. Because we only learn. All of us are on a journey of learning. Every, if there's a day you go to bed and you haven't learned something, listen, you're deluding yourself. We need to remain teachable and to know that every day there's something that I am going to learn that's new. Something about myself, something about others, something about God. And that's, that's wonderful. That's what keeps people young. People should not be going old. People should not be look, looking to retirement so I can sit around and do nothing all day. Listen, we are to be out there moving and shaking and demonstrating the glory of God and, and being used by him to bless people. And so we have to learn every day. We have to change. We cannot be just existing Praise God. Mighty and unbeatable in battle. Put it, uh, by faith, they put enemy forces to flight. And this one. By faith, women received back their dead by resurrection. This really spoke to me because, as I said, I was thinking about it during the week when I was thinking about that one in Romans. He's the God who gives life to the dead. Women received their dead back by resurrection. I was just thinking about it, and as I said, Pastor Ken Christmas then, he gave such a great teaching on this. And the thing is, is that there may be things that are dead. There may be relationships that are dead. There may be people that are half dead. You know what I mean, as in dead in their understanding, dead in their, in their de with depression or with whatever. Maybe, maybe they've gone down a road of, of, of addictions and things like that. Their destiny may be dead. The thing is, uh, you know, their understanding may be dead. You may be trying to speak to them and they never, they never listen. But the thing is, is that we can pray because our faith brings resurrection life. We have the word of life to speak into that situation. And, um, you know, just for, if you think about it, um, if you go with me actually to Matthew chapter 12, just to finish. How are we doing on time? Not too bad. Okay, I'll take back that. I retract that. It may not be finishing. <laughs> That's okay. You're not in a massive rush, are you? <laughs> this is Jesus, again, being attacked by the, the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious ones. And, you know, they needn't be religious in their, in their faith, like as in, uh, you know, religiously following a religion. You have people who are religious in, in negativity. They're religious in, in fear. They're religious in, in hatred and offense, you know. But here, uh, Jesus was dealing with these religious ones again anyway. And um, they were giving out to him because his disciples ate uh, some plucked some wheat uh, as they were walking through a field. And uh, Jesus said um, to them, I tell you that someone, something greater in verse 6, Matthew 12, 6, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had only known, uh, if you had only known what this statement means, I desire compassion for those in distress and not animal sacrifices. You would not have condemned the innocent. So he called his disciples innocent there and he was basically telling them, I desire mercy and not, and not judgment. And then he goes on to say, for the son of, the, of man is Lord of the Sabbath. 
Leaving there, he went into his synagogue. A man was there whose hand was withered. And they asked Jesus, is it lawful and permissible to heal on the Sabbath? They asked this so they might accuse him and bring charges into court. But he said to them, what man is there among you who, if he has one sheep and it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? And again, you know, I just think that's a beautiful picture there because that's what Jesus did for each one of us. We were that sheep who fell into the pit and Jesus came and pulled us out. And uh, he said to the man, oh, sorry, he said uh, in 12, how much more valuable then is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful and permissible to do good or to heal on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, reach out your hand. The man reached out and it was restored as normal and as healthy as the other. But the Pharisees went out and they were discussing how they could destroy him. So you've got this picture of this man who had one hand uh, that that was completely useless. And Jesus, all he told him to do was reach out your hand. And the man believed him and did it. The man reached out his hand. Healing, actually, I would say, is, is very simple. Only we complicate it by our doubt and our own belief and by the things that we've grown up believing about God, about ourselves and about others. This man, he did what Jesus said. He, he looked at him, he believed him, and he did it. And it goes on to say that um, uh, many followed him in verse 15. Jesus left there and many followed him and he healed all of them who were sick and warned them not to tell publicly who he was. This was to fulfill which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel nor cry out loudly, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised or a battered reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not extinguish, until he leads justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles of the world will hope with confidence. You know, that's how we are to be with people. He, he, his spirit, God's spirit was upon him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. We are to proclaim God's justice and we are in days of God's justice and we are about to see things unfolding, truth being exposed, lies, corruption. And believe me, there's so much corruption going on, even in our own nation. And you know, all this thing of bringing in illegal, um, illegal immigrants, uh, we, I have no problem. I am not a racist person. I love and I think our nation has been enriched by so many people coming from different nations. We are so blessed with them. We love them. But I'll tell you, there's something sinister going on and it's being covered up left, right and centre, all across our nation, all across Europe and, and different nations. It's happening. And I guarantee you there's money behind it. There's money being handed over to leaders to shut them up because there's things going on that are not being exposed in the media. They're being covered up uh, and and all of those things are going to be exposed. And the church is the one who is to pronounce justice to the nations. We are to proclaim boldly the word of God and stand for his truth. And, you know, whether, whether they kill us or, or, or don't, we have to be like Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego. I don't care what happens, but I will never bow down to your lies, to your corruption and to your evil ways. 
I will never bow down to it. And I will only bow down to God. And, you know, that needs to be our, our, our same um, stance. Because the days we're in, we are going to have to choose. We are going to choose, have to choose whose report are we believing. And that's why Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. I actually came to bring a sword, he said, between mother and, and uh, I can't remember exactly the, the words of it now, between mother and daughter or daughter-in-law and mother-in-law, father and son, whatever. You know, there are going to be people, he said, there's going to be the sheep and the goat nations. And that's why we need to cry for mercy for our nation because a lot of what's going on right now is totally wrong. And, you know, I know, I don't care that there's no one here uh, in, from government to hear it, but I will proclaim it anyway. It is completely wrong what's being done in our nation. They're swamping and filling our nation with unvetted, unregistered, undocumented males of a fighting age why? No females, no children, no families. They are doing that in order to dilute uh, faith in this nation. And it's time for the church and the church leaders to stand up and speak out. All of the denominations, they are mute and they are saying nothing about it. All of the, the leaders of our police force, our guardy, they are mute and they are saying nothing about it. They are saying nothing about the things that are going on all around our nation where people are being attacked and, and where Alu Akbar, whatever the hell that is, uh, which it means that Allah is God and Allah is great, where it's being shouted out uh, as people are being attacked and where Irish people and people from other nations who have come here legally, documented and immigrated here for a real reason and purpose, uh, you know, I'll tell you, lads, there's days are coming. I wouldn't like to be the people who are sitting above in Dáil Éireann, whether they're in government or whether they're in opposition, whether they're independents, and I include our own guys from here as well, because none of them are speaking out. And I guarantee you, there's money changing hands somewhere. So it is. And it's to shut people up. And, and it's in order to totally decimate people's belief in God. And they think that it's not going to lead to trouble. It's going to lead to, to jihad, holy war. So it is. But praise the Lord that we are covered with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That we have God's angels all around us. And, and you know, the Lord says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. It does need to be called out. It does and, uh, you know, we are to proclaim God's justice to the nations. I believe that was quite a prophetic word. And I, I would cry out for mercy for Leo Radker and Michal Martin, for Miriam Lou MacDonald, for Simon Coveney, for all these ones, uh, even our own Healy Rays and all of those uh, independents who are above there. They're being paid by taxpayers' money. They think that's their money. It's, uh, it's belonging to the nation. It's belonging to God. Because the, 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 everything that has that been created on this earth belongs to God. Amen. And they are willfully wasting it. They are, are, are turning over their own people in favor of, of bringing in these people who they have no background details of. And who are being put in places rampant. Even in our own town this week, 70 of them supposedly being brought down to Glen House, a house with 22 bedrooms in it. Where are 70 people going to sleep in 22 bedrooms? That's a recipe for complete disaster. 
These people have, have you know, no, thrown away their documents at the airport thinking they're so smart. This is dangerous times we're living in. Sorry, Jeremy. Yeah, no, it's just Jackie Healy Rice um, actually stood up and said the people who didn't oh. get a successful refugee, no, they, do, they weren't successful, should be sent back. But Michael Healy Rice. All right, thank you. Sorry, I apologise. Yeah, I ran to. Service, now that I was actually going to ask for prayer for this nation. The civil service has decided that people. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, what you call it? Look, sorry, I, I didn't mean to wrong. So Michael stood up and said that for a play to him. But justice to the nations. He will not quarrel nor cry out loudly. He, uh, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. The way we need to uh, con- to uh, operate God's kingdom is through fr- prayer and through faith and through speaking the truth. Uh, you know, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not extinguish until he leads justice to victory. And in his names, the, in his name, the Gentiles will hope with confidence. Hallelujah. But anyway, just to finish off here, in verse 29, uh, Jesus went on. Well, in 25, he said, knowing their thoughts, any kingdom that is divided amongst itself is being laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will continue to stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he has become divided against himself and disunited. How then will his kingdom stand? It's no different whether it's a kingdom, whether it's a house, or whether it's a person, an individual's life. Where there is conflict and where there is division, division between, uh, you know, right and wrong, a house divided shall not stand. And they were, they were um, telling Jesus here, look, you're, you're casting out these demons by the power of the, the greatest demon himself, Beelzebub, which is another name for the devil. And Jesus said, if I was casting out demons by, by the devil, his kingdom would not stand. He would not do that to himself. And so he said, um, but if, he said, if it is by the Spirit of God, in verse 28... If it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you before you expected it. Or how can anyone go into a strong man's house and steal his property unless he first overpowers and ties up the strong man? Then he will ransack and rob his house. So the thing is, is that we have to tie up the strong man. The strong man needs to be tied up. The, the, the powers and the principalities of darkness that are behind this need to be tied up in prayer. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in the heavens, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in the heavens. And so, you know, going back to this, that by faith... Um, praise the Lord, I've gone totally... <laughs> Totally off notes. I haven't a clue where I am <laughs> or what I was saying. <laughs> but um, I really feel the presence of God on that. And, you know, it does need to be said. It needs to be put out in the atmosphere because uh, Satan is in opposition and he is trying to, to quell to quench the spirit of God and to hinder and block God's move. But, you know, all of these people who are coming here, perhaps, you know, is it God? 
who's behind all this because he said he will use he will use our enemies and then he will cause them their hearts to be turned and so that's what we have to believe is that even as they step foot on this soil that all of those who come from other nations that that they will all be touched by the power and the presence of God and that once more this nation will send off people into all the corners of the earth to preach the gospel as it did before and as I said already you know I'm, I'm talking now earlier on what I was speaking about was those who are throwing away their passports when they come because it is wrong you know that is not the right way to go about things that's an illegal an illegal operation and it needs to be called out and it needs to be stopped but guaranteed somewhere back along the line trace the money because there's money behind it and um, so finally just to finish in Revelation chapter 12 uh, God, there was so much more. <laughs> In Revelation chapter 12, Verse 10, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now it has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down at last. He who accuses them and keeps bringing charges of sinful behavior against them before our God day and night. He has been cast down and they have overcome him and conquered him. Say overcome and conquered him because of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life to the death in Jesus name. Amen. You know, that's the truth. The accuser of the brethren has been cast down. This is so vital to understand. Um, praise the Lord. I think we'll have to finish this next week. But, um, you know, I'll just leave that with you today. And let's break bread to finish. Amen. God, it's the word of God that keeps us, Amen. you know, gives us boundaries and gives us, uh, you know, that's why the Lord said, and for this reason a man shall be joined to his wife and shall cleave unto her and shall leave behind his mother and father. And so... You know, we just let's just break bread and. Actually, and it's a okay, so let's let's take the cup and. The, oh Lord. And so uh, I just want to read this scripture to you from Psalm 118, um, as we break bread uh, with the cup and the the and the biscuit. Um, Oh, not Sam, sorry, Sam 18. What am I, I always get the two of them mixed up. Sam 18. And um, in verse 20, 25. With the kind, the merciful, the faithful and the loyal, you show yourself kind. With the blameless, you show yourself blameless. With the pure, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you show yourself astute. For you save an afflicted and humble people. But you bring down those arrogant fools with haughty eyes. 
for you cause my lamp to be lighted and to shine. The Lord my God illumines my darkness, for by you I can crush a troop, and by my God I can scale or leap over any wall. So that's Psalm 18. And, you know, um, in verse... Uh, verse 27 you save an afflicted and humble people but you bring down those arrogant fools with haughty eyes you know uh, the word of God says in, in Psalm 14 that the fool says in his heart there is no God so we were talking earlier about faith and so the opposite of faith is unbelief and the fool says in his heart there is no God so here it says, God brings down those arrogant fools who have haughty eyes. Unbelief is actually pride. Because it's pride in saying, I can do this myself and I don't need you. I can go to doctors and they'll help me and I don't need you. you know, but I'll come back to you if I need something. And uh, so pride and unbelief go together. But you cause my lamp to be lighted and to shine. This is the difference with God, is that God causes light in the darkness. He is the one who illumines my darkness. That's beautiful. God illumines my darkness, no matter what situation is going on. And for by you, I can crush or overcome any army, any troop, any attack of the enemy. I can crush it and come against it because of God, because of my faith in God. And by my God, I can scale or overcome any wall, leap over any wall. So, you know, that's who you are. <laughs> that's who you are. That's who we are because of our faith in God. And um, in verse 33, it says, he makes my feet. Will you read that with me? He makes my feet like hinds feet, able to stand firmly and tread safely on paths of testing and trouble. He sets me securely upon my high places. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. He has given me the shield of his salvation and his right hand upholds and sustains me. So, you know, Ephesians talks about the helmet of salvation and here David talks about the shield of salvation. So, salvation is the word Yeshua and Jesus you know it's it, our helmet is Jesus he is our head and he is our shield he's the one who protects us he's the one who preserves our life he's the one who surrounds us who guards us who who uh, we lift up in order to come against all the fiery darts of the enemy and so that's why we can uh, stand and tread on the high places uh, you know, in places that are very difficult, uh, terrain that's very difficult to navigate. We can walk there because, you know, Jesus, uh, um, our faith in him causes us to be strengthened and, and firm and to be able to stand. Amen. So let's take the bread and the cup. That's what we're remembering today. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I take this bread. Because it's a symbol of your body that was broken for me so that I could be healed, that my mind could be healed, my heart, my physical body. I receive healing as I eat this bread, breakthrough, provision for everything I need. I declare that by you, 
I can overcome any enemy. And by you, I can leap over or scale any wall. I eat this bread and proclaim your body was broken so that I could be made whole. In Jesus' name. Amen. So you can take the bread. Okay, let's take the cup. Lord Jesus, this cup symbolizes your blood that was shed for me. And I believe, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you are my Lord. You are my Savior. Your blood has washed me and cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And you have reconciled me back to the Father as his child. And I am surrounded by your army, your angel armies, protected, preserved, in order to demonstrate your kingdom. I take this cup and proclaim your death until you come again. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay, look, you know, that was heavy going. I thank you for your patience. And I just pray that the Lord would imprint upon you today a fresh awareness of who you are in the kingdom of God and of the fact that you know, the word of God says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. God is our deliverer. He is greater. God is good. He, he is never bad. God is always good. And he has a good plan for each one of us. And as we get to know his word, what happens is that we are revived and refreshed, that we are made strong and that our faith is made strong in him. In Jesus' name. Amen.